Welcome back, Chelsea fans, as always, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. My name's Zach, and I'm joined by Sam with an Andres-less podcast today. I don't know if that made any sense, Sam, but yeah, uh, I did my best. Mm-hmm. Andreas-less, yeah. Um, but anyways, um, it was a rough week, man. Yeah, rough couple. Don't rough, worry, rough you'll, forty-eight you'll, hours. You'll hear from Andreas though. He he felt it was his obligation to do a voice memo and to include it so that he could gloat about. Uh, his prediction last episode where he, he he was not in favor of a 3-4-3 and i i was the one who was in favor of 3-4-3 uh and it wasn't that i thought that it was the best formation but i thought it got the the best out of marcus alonso dave and uh and reese james that that was my only point but you'll hear more from him uh in a little yeah. bit where do we start? Okay, yeah. Let, let's just jump straight into this Liverpool match. So, Liverpool 5, Chelsea 3. I uh, just wanted to start off by going over the expected goals. Uh, Liverpool, 1.45 expected goals, and we had 2.38 expected goals. Everyone's so, everyone's favorite stat, especially all the older football fans. Yeah. They love the expected <laughs> goals stat, the XG. Uh-huh. I, I, I retweeted it, and I said if you you know this is not for the faint of heart like it's just that happens so often for us where we really in actuality we maybe should have won this match but you know we were going up against a liverpool side who was ready to lift the trophy they did not want to you know lift the trophy after a loss um and you know they really they started their full squad minus hendo who uh was still kitted up um, you know, like a full kit. Full JT. Yeah, I mean, see, this is there's a lot of there's a lot of uh back and forth on Twitter about you know where, how where are, where are you with that? Because <laughs> J, JT did the same thing in a Champions League final, so so it, it's it's very hypocritical for me to go and say, oh fuck Jordan Henderson for doing the same exact thing. Like, but what would we what know. would we be if we weren't hypocritical, Zach? Come on, we're Chelsea fans. We have to do whatever is uh, in favor no, for us. No, but for, no, no. for me, we though, can... this is what I think. So uh, for me, I don't care personally either way. Uh, but I think there is a big difference between Henderson doing it for a League Cup uh, trophy lift when, you know, this... Le- it, no, no, no. Like a... Like like a league, the actual league itself. I'm sorry, yeah, not yeah, not the league cup, right? Yeah, the league <laughs> title trophy lift, and you know it's 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 a big difference, you know, like in a in a cup final. That, that's what I meant to say originally. In a cup final, you know, the matches. I mean, the winner is determined in that match. So if you don't play, then it's a little bit different because you weren't on the pitch, you didn't contribute to that match. But this is a league title, and Henderson was there the whole season, and they won it matches ago. Um, but I'm all in favor of shitting on Henderson. So yeah, me too. <laughs> I'll, There's I'll, always that. Yeah, that's always a lot of fun to do because he's are like a he's kind of an easy target at times. But like, I mean, just going back to the whole kit conundrum. My my point of view is fair play to Liverpool for winning the title. I mean. They won it convincingly without any, you know, doubt. So just based on that, they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want. Just based on that. And and and, and I'm saying the same thing. If it was for Chelsea and we and you know we won the league title that convincingly, I would be saying the same exact thing. Like when you win the title in that fashion, in that way, 
period, even if you win the title, period, even if it's on the last day of the season, you can do whatever the hell you want. You're the champs. That's like and the he, one time you get to do And he's captain it. too, you know, like – Yeah. But have to give I think – I think the more annoying thing throughout the game um, was what Lampard got annoyed about, and that was the showboating, being a little fucking shitheads. Dude, the <laughs> I, fireworks. I, I, what the what fireworks was, up with was that? The fireworks were from the fans. Was that a mistake? So, like, you can't... Oh, it was. It, th- that was the fans. Okay. I think it was the fans because Arlo White was saying like the celebrations began already, and it, like, I don't know, man. The way I see it, and, and this is what I noticed, I watched a game with natural sound, so I didn't have the added crowd noise, and every single call, every penalty dot, every dive in the box, and there were four or five of them in the first half an hour, <laughs> um, every free kick, every decision that went against Liverpool was being argued against, and Frank got frustrated because the Liverpool players were actually getting off of the bench at one point, and Klopp wasn't doing anything about it. Lampard had a word with Klopp. Klopp had something to say back. And then uh, the only soundbite we got back of Frank Lampard was from a cell phone really far away. And you could faintly hear Lampard say, fuck off. <laughs> and that was the single best moment of the game behind Pulisic's goal. Um, Maybe the best moment Those of are the, the only two positives. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could be better than Pulisic's goal. I'm, I was really, really kind of uh, refreshed to see Lampard that pissed off it i it didn't make me happy but it makes me know that he's pissed off about this like like he did not hide his anger or frustration at all and sometimes as a manager or as a fan you want to see that out of your manager frank has been very very coy this whole season he's been he's been holding his own pretty well in the press conferences he's been straight up he's been honest he has been mad at times but I think this was the first time where we really saw the full spectrum of Lampard, like as a coach, in terms of his class, mm-hmm. um, right? Like he's gonna he's gonna support his players and he's gonna back up his players, right? Because he's not gonna be embarrassed in front of everybody. But at the same time, when Sadio Mane puts him on a camera in the title celebrations, he's not gonna get tricked into saying something stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that, but he, he, but you know, see, like this is the thing. I'm actually really happy about this because. You know, this is this is the first time Liverpool has won a title in 30 years. Klopp's first title there, uh, obviously. And, you know, it's kind of like, act like you've been there before. Don't have arrogance. And yeah. you understand who Frank Lampard is. Yeah, this is his first time managing a top-flight club, but you have to understand his, his impact on football in our, in our lifetime. Uh, so, you know, have a little bit of respect for Frank and he said it after the match, you know, like it was the heat of the competition. He doesn't, you know, obviously he probably is over it by now, but you know, just act like you've been there before, but let's, let's quickly just jump into the starting 11. So we had the same exact lineup, uh, as against United, except (laughs) we had Kepa in for Willie. Who knows, was that the right decision? But I'll just read through it real quick. Keppa and goal, uh, Rudy, Zuma, and Dave, meaning the back line, wingbacks, uh, Reese James and Marcos Alonso, midfielders uh, with Jorginho and Kovacic, and the forwards were Mason Mount, Giroud, and William. So uh, I'll, I'll start off with your well, – we actually have a Twitter question uh, from Nacho Fuentes. He says, which formation suits us best, the 3-4-3 or the 4-3-3? It seems as if, wait, sorry, before I move on, shout out to Venezuela. 
Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't bring it up without saying that. Um, it seems as if Frank keeps fl- trying to flirt with that wing back formation until a bad results come along comes along, and makes us go back to traditional four three three. I'll I'll put a I'll pause right here to allow uh, Andreas to voice his opinion on this question, and then we'll uh, jump back into what we have to say about that. So here's Andreas, and there's Andreas. On his high horse, uh, once again, again, I, I think I, I. Oh, hello, Rep Ultras and other listeners of the Romans Empire Pod. I am one of your co-hosts, Andres, just casually arriving in my four-three-three high horse. That's right. I threw caution to the wind after the United match of the three-four-three, and why I wasn't feeling comfortable with it especially after a 4-3-3 has beaten this Liverpool side with a far weaker and Pulisicless side. So, while I can go bloat about this all day, I will leave that off air for Sam and Zach to deal with my annoyance. But, long story short, I think that Frank and the guys are going to need to look at this game, learn quick and adjust in a very short time period because Sunday's match, it is the most important match of the season. No joke, last match, most important. But I'll let the boys handle the rest of the pod without me. I've got to defend Zach a little bit here because he wasn't – I don't think he ever said that the three four three was our best formation. But uh, I'll let you address what you think as far as like what formation suits us best. <sighs> to be honest with you, Sam, I mean – I. I said it last week as well. I didn't think Frank was going to change the lineup, and he didn't. Um, the team seems to be very hot and cold. So, you know, he kind of like Nacho's question. Um, you know, he he flirts with the formation until they until we get a bad result, and this was our bad result. I don't expect to see this at all against Wolves um, at the weekend. But again, moving forward, the four three three definitely is the way, or some variation of that, whether it be a four two three one. Or you know uh, uh, a four three one two, um, any variation of having three midfield players in the middle of the pitch, um, because we get overran if we don't have you know um, especially if we don't have Conte in there. But a midfield pairing of Jorginho and Kovacic works against the sides that are not as technically brilliant on the ball as Liverpool were. I mean, at one po- at one point in the first half, it felt like they were passing circles around us. But what I about, mean, and, 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 and again, that, how does that explain the United match then? Because they, I mean... For... United is not... A, United was not as good on the ball. They were giving the ball away in bad areas. They, they weren't making runs into space. They start, United started with, uh, with what's his name? James? Uh, I forget his first name. Dan Daniel James? Daniel James, yeah. Yeah, Daniel James. So they started with Daniel James and, Reich, and, and and Marcus Rashford, their two fastest players up top, uh, playing with two strikers, and they didn't make one run behind one of our center backs until the second half. So so their game plan went out the window from the kickoff because they just weren't executing. The difference is when you have a side that's as tailored and as disciplined as Liverpool, who could seemingly turn it on or off whenever they feel like it um, – this kind of formation doesn't work because you'll get passed around. You'll get the workaround. Try try playing a three four three against the Manchester City. I highly doubt that that will be successful. Right. Unless you're playing complete Conte football, where you're where you're having, you know, two deep blocks and you know 
a really, really compact, narrow midfield, but that's not how we're playing. You know, we're playing a 3-4-3, not in a defensive way, but in an attacking way, where mm-hmm. Frank is still trying to press up top and press in the midfield areas and and, and, uh, and compress the other team and force them to lose the ball um, in their defensive third. That's the game plan. We've seen the 3-4-3 work as a defensive formation when we sit off of the ball and, so, and quote-unquote park the bus. Um, but, but, but that's my thing, you know, against the top sides, um, we cannot be playing this three, four, three formation with a double pivot. It just, it just doesn't work. It it worked against Tottenham earlier in the season. It worked against Arsenal, but again, those are not top sides. And I think it very much is a case by case basis. When we go up against world-class, potentially world-class teams, especially world-class midfields, this is what happens. And, uh, and and it wasn't a surprise to me that, you know, we got the runaround, especially Jorginho, a lot in this game. Um, but moving forward, it definitely is the 4-3-3 for me. I just think that that's our most versatile, that's our most versatile formation. We get the best out of Kovacic there. Um, we also get uh, we also get Pulisic on the field because that's something we don't get in the 3-4-3. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's more variation to be had. And if you look at the arrivals that are incoming, you know, you got Timo Werner, you got Hakeem Ziyech. Uh, shout out to Leroy Sané for announcing Kai Havertz. <laughs> but when we have those attacking options coming in next season, there really is no variation away from it. It's not a coincidence that the most stacked teams in world football play 4-3-3. I'm talking about the attack-minded teams, keep in mind. They yeah. all play some variation of that. And, and, and it's there's no coincidence there. And I think just to add on to your point, I mean, to press with a 3-4-3 against arguably the best counter-attacking team in all of the world right now is yeah. is is a recipe for disaster. And we saw it. I mean, three of their goals or two two or three of their goals came from counter-attacks. And, uh, Second best counter-attacking team. Who's number one? Atalanta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I just wanted to take a shot at Liverpool. I, I don't know if that's true. I just wanted yeah, to they, take a shot. They they bag in goals, that's for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, that's just maybe maybe for the situation. I I didn't even think of that until the match started. But that was something important to think about. All right, let let's move on. We got to talk about Pulisic, man. We have got to talk about Pulisic because what an instant impact from him when he came on in I, I forget what minute it was it was like the 50 something minute uh so we got a twitter question from jared barkovsky aka at jborg newly minted rep ultra uh yeah, he, yeah. he asks why on god's green earth did lampard not start pulisic in a huge match like this i don't think we can afford to not start him i know i have an american bias but he's been playing lights out uh, jared I, I have to just say straight up like this you can't say that this is american bias because there's not a chelsea fan out there right now who won't say that pulisic who won't say pulisic isn't our best player right now i mean at least after the restart our best attacking player right now yeah i mean on Definitely. either side i don't better than our midfield anyone on our midfield i mean and kovacic Conte, has been playing lights out he's been really good kovacic was sure. actually Probably the only standout starter um, in that Liverpool match for me. And I mean, but, just the cre- the lack of creativity when we don't have Pulisic out there, it really showed. I mean, as soon as he came on, uh, that that run, oh my god! I mean, I don't think I've ever screamed that loud in my whole life. Uh, I mean, after being down four uh, one, 
he beat Wijnaldum. He beat uh, Trent. Trent. Uh, who else was there? Uh, and then obviously he met Joe uh, Joe Gomez at the end, and then the yeah. perfect ball into the right spot where Tammy, who's been struggling lately, all he had to do was just keep on running and tap it in. So he's making Tammy's job easy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the goal he scored to bring it to 3-4, I mean, the, I had hope. Like, I legit had hope. After being down 4-1 at half, I shouldn't have hope the rest of the match. Like, there should be any. Felt like 4-1. What, it was what, oh yeah you're right it was three one no then it became four one right no it became four one like right in the beginning of the second half okay right and so, that's where I turned off my TV oh right right <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't I wasn't gonna say that Zach but I guess you exposed yourself no I have no problem admitting it we looked hopeless after the fourth goal so I fucking turned off my TV so you missed I, the, I, you missed both the Pulisic assist and goal live. So, Pulisic's goal, Pulisic's assist happened, and I got a text from you guys, and then that's when I turned the game back on. Okay. And so then, so, so saw I saw, I saw his goal. I did see his goal. Okay. Um, so I was working at the same time, so I was like kind of half watching, half right. not watching. I had to rewatch the match afterwards. So if you have an excuse but, to not watch, you'll take it because you you have other obligations. That, that's fair. No, no, it's not a matter of that. It's why would I watch a 4-1 drubbing? We looked absolutely hopeless defensively. This was as bad as of a, of a defensive performance as I've seen from us all season long. And and, and that's not that's not an exaggeration. It's not I'm not saying that out of frustration. I'm not saying that out of anger. Look at the tape. The mistakes were elementary. Elementary. I mean, we had a who tweeted at us on uh, on Twitter some about what? Um, he agreed with us uh, when he posted that Jorginho post. I'm forgetting his name right now. I can't remember. But anyways, CP. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there it is. At Chad P EDM. Shout out to Chad P. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 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 if you're talking about you know their fifth goal, the one that Ox scored on the counter. You know he he was speaking about Jorginho and he said you were taught to foul them if you can't make the tackle. Like it, it's so elementary. And that's the best way to put it. It's it's child's play at times. The giveaway by Willian, right? Yeah. The starting position of Keppa on Trent's goal. It mm-hmm. was hit perfectly, don't get me wrong. And, and that angle behind the goal, the ball actually swerves outside of the post at one point and then comes back inside before it hits the back of the net. But there's only one spot Trent is putting that. So the positioning needed to be better there from Keppa. For sure. I mean, The like, giveaway like, from to, Willian. To say that... The fucking... The, the the goal the Wijnaldum's goal, a, a poor clearance off a corner kick, another set piece, uh, another goal conceded off a set piece, but the ball literally flies right by Keppa's right ear. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Even, it, I, I know it's point blank. I know he smacks it, but again, like this is my point. This is Chelsea. Like we have title aspirations, we have Champions League aspirations. That kind of shit cannot be happening here. And, and, and I'm talking about the defense and and our goalkeeper. And Sam, I'm sorry. I'm going to go on a little like tangent here. Mm-hmm. But it kind of brought me to a little realization um, after the match. Um, we need a lot more work done this summer um, defensively than I thought. It's not just a matter of us bringing in a left back. and a, It's not a matter of us bringing in a left back and one of a goalkeeper or a center back. It's a matter of us needing a left back, another starting center back, 
another goalkeeper, and arguably another center back as well. We, 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 we might need two center backs. I haven't seen enough from any of these guys this season to be completely confident. And the one name that's being touted around that Chelsea is supposedly you know, shopping around is Kurt Zuma. And he's been the only consistent center back for us all season. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I'm I'm pretty frustrated at like the whole defensive situation, and the reason why, and that's exactly the reason why I turned off that for the uh, the game after the fourth goal. Firmino walks walks past Aspi, and Zuma has no idea that Firmino's even there. And and I, think, I know I it's think a great you're, ball. You're kind of answering it's... you're kind of answering Nick Lennartson's Twitter question. I'll just read it off real quick and just yeah, say, just, yeah, just read it which, off. Which of the five goals conceded last evening? Should Kepa have saved? Asking for a friend. I-, I wonder which friend you're talking about. Maybe every fucking Chelsea fan out there. <laughs> <laughs> my thing my thing with Kepa is the goals weren't his fault. You're wrong to say that that's 100% his fault. But they're, to stand flat-footed, when you know the ball's going into that corner, right, Sam? We talked about it before we went on air. You're There's only one place. Goal? I'm talking about Trent's goal right mm-hmm. now. So on Trent's goal, there's only one spot he's gonna put that, right? He did the he's same thing go to us early and this around season. the wall. Exact same thing. I mean, it's not like he, it's not like thing. he hasn't even watched tape on him. It's happened to him already in person. He needs you know? to adjust his positioning there. Maybe another step or two to the left, so he can actually dive for the ball instead of staying flat-footed and watching it go in. Right? That's yeah, one. That's a bad look. That's you know? one. I think. I think more than anything, it's a bad look. Well, yeah, it's a bad look on the goalkeeper. And and again, I'm not taking anything away from the strike because I don't mm. think many goalkeepers actually saved that, right? It's a it, it was a great hit. You know, the but... clip the clip that kept on coming up on Twitter was the messy free kick against Liverpool, and you can see Allison, you know, actually going for the for the the save. You know, but the end at the end of the day, it's the same net result. It's a goal, but there's a difference. Yeah, like there's you, a difference you, there. Though you have to see, like it's just. It, it it's mostly optics in my opinion it's it's what it looks like to the fans who are watching you know it just doesn't look like he's he's trying hard enough i think he's lost control uh and i mean the the last set piece in stoppage time in like the 92nd minute that that said everything you need to know about keppa i mean the ball goes right in front of him and he's just standing there and doesn't go for uh, you know a punch to grab the ball anything he's standing there and you can hear every single center back screaming at him kappa 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 come on uh, i mean i was fucking screaming that on my on my couch all the way in la uh so like Giroud, Giroud was Giroud was uh Giroud was giving it to him after um after we conceded that goal off the corner mm-hmm. because it was it was Giroud's clearance that didn't get cleared out and and i know he was frustrated about that because Giroud's a professional but at this or Giroud, I'm sorry. Yeah. Shout out to Russell. Sorry about that, Russell. Thank you. I know you. he told me to correct myself. Yeah. He's, I've he's told been, you he's this calling too. Us out. There's no D. Proper bands. Proper bands. Uh-huh. No, but you know, Giroud kind of had to go at Kepa there too. Again, he is flat-footed. He doesn't move. I cannot tell you how many times this season we've conceded a goal, and the reaction we get from Kepa is. He is standing in the same position he was in when the ball got shot. The only difference is his his shoulders and his head drop. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah. He doesn't dive. He, I don't see enough from him for me to feel like, okay, you give a shit, you know? And the thing is, you know, our defense has been 
horrid this year. Okay, we've conceded more goals than any other Premier than any other Premier League team in the Premier. I'm sorry, <laughs> we've conceded more goals than any other team in the Premier League away from home this season with 38, and we've scored 39. We we average conceding two goals every away match, uh, and in Mourinho's first three seasons, we only conceded 36 goals away. Uh, and and it's also Chelsea's worst defensive record, you know, 54 goals conceded since Roman took over. But I think the one thing I saw this on Twitter and it really opened my eyes a lot. And if these numbers are wrong, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> I'm taking it as truth. But, you know, Kepa, we, we all talk about how we can't put too much blame on Kepa because of how bad the defense has been. Kepa's only faced 92 shots this season which is actually 25 less than the 117 he faced last season and checks and in, in, in checks 11 seasons at Chelsea. He only had one single season where he faced less than a hundred shots. And that was 93 shots in uh 2009, 10, you know, I mean like Courtois faced around a hundred shots per season. So it's not like Kepa is having to make a lot more saves this season. Uh, than than pre- our predecessors, you know, he, he he's he's being he's being faced with the same amount of shots. Sure, maybe not all shots are created equal, so you can't just plainly compare ninety-two to a hundred or whatever. But still, it's it's been really awful, Zach. It's been really bad, and I, I'm done making excuses for him and putting blame on our defense because, of course, they go hand in hand. You know, you I'm not gonna hundred percent blame Kepa either. But he's he's been a terrible shot stopper, and that's just the fact. And we we cannot be competitive without a shot stopper in goal. Like it's it's impossible. If if we can score as many goals as we can, I mean, obviously, if we score more more than we let in, we're winning. But still, it, it's so important. I mean, you can see the difference that Allison made for Liverpool. I mean, Klopp was not doing the best. You know, there were there were nothing defensively until obviously Van Dyke was big, but Allison was the real difference maker, and it's just it kills me every time thinking to know that we just blundered so bad on that signing, and then just had to panic buy Keppa, um, and it's it's just it's just a terrible situation, and I I don't know how to address it. I don't know what's gonna happen with him. I don't know what team is gonna take him. I mean, any team that takes him, we're gonna have to pay. A huge well, I'll tell portion. you what, he's not getting Champions League football. No, the only way he does not. that is if he goes right back to Spain. Because I know Valencia was the only team that talked about him mm. um, or inquired about him. My my thing, my issue with Kepa is the assertiveness. As a goalkeeper, you have to be assertive, both vocally and on the pitch. Crosses come into the box. He's never getting a he's never getting a not even a fist on it. You know. There are some goalkeepers out there that are ridiculously good at catching crosses, and I understand that not all of them can. But the physicality affects affects his assertiveness on the pitch, and I think there might be – I don't know if there's still a language barrier or something. I haven't really heard him talk too much. Um, There might be a communication barrier. I doubt that. I don't know what what it is, but I mean mean, this is is for something that anybody who played soccer knows – Especially if you were a defender. I played center back, right? If my number one wasn't behind me playing goalkeeper and it was our number two, my my game would be impacted. Like like that affects you mentally. Mm-hmm. You know? If you if you, you don't have the faith in your goalkeeper right behind you, exactly. 
all of a sudden you're not you're not playing out of the back as much. You're, you're starting to send balls up line, right? right? Or um, you know you're trying to overcompensate defensively, and that can be a thing too. Sometimes you can be too reserved defensively because you're worried about the other player getting a shot off. So you're not going to try to nick the ball off of him. You're going to try to look to contain him, right? There's you having a goalkeeper behind you as a center back or as a defender in general, even for the whole team, like it has a big, big impact. And I don't think any of these guys trust Keppa. And the difference is in the pudding. I mean, and that's our, and that's our number one keeper only, too. <laughs> the fear that you have th- with that's your our sec- number one. <laughs> the fear that you yeah. have with a number two keeper is what our, our center backs have with our number one keeper. Well, our number two keeper is even more confusing than Keppa because he's <laughs> been really good when playing for us, but he has been terrible for Argentina. So he had one bad match, okay? The Croatia oh my, match was bad. That, that's that was a very, very memorable match to oh, have yeah. a bad match. I mean, come on. That was a howler. But all, all, all jokes aside, Sam, I'm completely on board with you and with, with, the, with the whole Kepa scenario. At this point, I don't think we're recouping our money is an option, all of it at least. I think oh, I mean, you know, we should uh, be targeting. We're going to get a fraction of it back. I mean, we, even even we, if we're not just talking about the fees, but the salary, we're gonna have to cover a huge portion. What he's making eight million a year, something like that. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way a team is gonna pay that for what he's done. Uh, and I, I saw like a video going around from when we got him from Bilbao, and like I don't know if they were Bilbao fans or a part of the team or whatever. But they just kind of sarcastically said, "Good luck with Kepa," you know. Like I think well, they even knew that he wasn't. There were red flags because right after we bought Keppa, Bill Bow promoted their number two to their number one because he was quote unquote like ready to take on that role and he's been brilliant. The guy who took Keppa's place yeah. has been better than Keppa. You know and the, we paid seventy million. And for the that. worst part so, is how good Courtois has been this year. Oh my god! It, it listen pisses me off, I, man. We but, never doubted. We never doubted Courtois' ability here. We never did. Yeah, he just he's didn't want to be. Shit. He just didn't want to be in London. Yeah, You're right. He felt yeah, more he's a piece of Madrid. shit. <laughs> but he's he's been the best goalkeeper probably in the world this year. I mean, when you really look at his defensive rate, but but that but that's beside the point. Yeah, like it, what what we're saying about Kepa and how his defense makes him worse. You can say the same thing about Courtois and how his defense makes him look better. You know, so you know, like I I I think he's a definitely top tier. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's the best keeper in the world, but still, I mean, it's just, I think, I think you're right. It's just, he didn't want to be here and it makes it much more rough, um, to see Allison and Courtois be two of the top keepers. And we had one of them and we almost had the other one and we're stuck with Keppa. It hurts, man. It's really, it's really annoying. I mean, Nick, Nick Lenartsen, uh, asked about, uh, Keppa. <laughs> No. Shout out to Nick. Willie's number one fan. Willie's number one fan. Asam, mm-hmm. I'm going to read this one off if you don't mind. Um, Nick asked, who scouted Keppa and who's oh. training him? Okay, who is in our defensive coaching staff? So, Nick, I don't necessarily know um, if anybody is quote-unquote assigned to coaching you know, the defensive side of the game. Um, but I do know that uh, the most famous number three goalkeeper in Chelsea history, a.k.a. Henrique Hilario, a.k.a. Hilarious. Um, He's our goalkeeper coach. So just to give you an idea, um, I did a little bit of digging. A lot of experience with the club. (laughs) Well, 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 that's the thing. 
you know, I don't I remember seeing his name like way at the bottom of my reserves whenever I would play FIFA and that's about <laughs> it. So he's been at Chelsea for eight years. Um, he was our number three from 2006 all the way to 2014. Som, get this. Uh-huh. A whopping 20 appearances. Eight wow. years, 20 appearances. That's who we have looking after our 70 million pound a year goalkeeper. And uh, and and I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't. I am not confident that he's gonna be here next year. I think this guy is gone, 110. percent We have Peter Check as our uh, as our director now. So yeah, where? Why is he not out there? I mean, I who knows? What, what is it really? Is there any blame to be put on our coaching staff, or is it 100 no, on personnel? No. I think it's I think no, it's 100 no, no. on our personnel. So it is. That's, that's it irrelevant. is. But at the same but at the same time, Sam, does this guy really strike you as a uh, particularly class goalkeeping coach based on the evidence that we've seen so far? I wouldn't know because there isn't much evidence to judge that off of. <laughs> I mean, I we we know. have two seasons of this nonsense. Um, it's it's it, it, it's it's laughable at this point. God, man, give me Onana, give me Oblak, give me Alphonse Areola. I'll take him. I'll t- I'll take Real Madrid's backup. All right, let's get into our Twitter questions. Uh, we got a we got a good first Twitter question. This one comes from a new friend of mine, uh, Mr. Russell Saunders, uh, at Mr. Grumpy and Oz on Twitter. Uh, we've been chatting back and forth uh, through DMs, and he's he's got he's got quite the amount of banter. Uh, I love the shit he gives me, but he he, he wrote pretty much a letter <laughs> as a question. He says, "Hello, Psalm, Zach, and Andreas. I'm a new listener, a middle-aged UK expat living in Melbourne, Australia. You like how I uh, know how to? Pronounce I like how that? you said that. Yeah, Melbourne. Very nice. I'm Melbourne." Uh, I am a secretary. I am the secretary of the supporter club here in Melbourne. I started following Chelsea in 1984. <laughs> in a moment of weakness, Sam managed to convince me to listen to a show. Australian accents are bad enough, but deliberately listening to an American's too? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> again, this is this is what I was telling you about the banter. Uh, once I get used to the way you say Premier, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be. I'll be fine. So what? He likes Premier. I think that's what he's looking for. Yeah. So here's his question. As I wasn't listening at the start of the season, what were your expectations for Chelsea for 2019-20? Mine were to finish top half and to have a decent cup run. So my nipples have tingled for where we are currently. A throwback to the nipple tingler era. In our first first couple episodes, we tried to have a nipple tingler section that in a, in a, no, it was called the shenanigans section, and the shenanigans. And one of, yeah, and one of them was uh, what what the goal? Yeah, what goal gave you nipple tingler? So, thanks for joining us, Russ. I hope uh, we keep you on for the long haul. But um, I mean, I think your expectations were spot on. I mean, top half, top half. Obviously, I think that might be a little bit low, like a little bit a little bit above like top top seven six was what i was hoping for and Mm -hmm. a decent cup run i mean i think what we have right now it it outperformed any expectations we could have had given the transfer ban given a new manager and frank and given that we lost eden hazard 
there wasn't much expectation. I mean, what what about you, Zach? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. Um, we were talking top six going into the season. I, I don't want to get anybody twisted in thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm angry at where we're at right now. I'm very happy with where we're at as a club. Um, and, and I actually told Russell this as well. Um, we're in a position where the only way for us from here is up. Um, you know, in, in this whole Frank Lampard project that we have, this is the worst it's going to be. And to be honest, it's been pretty bad um, <laughs> at times. But, you know, looking at the whole season as a whole, we still have a fighting chance for Champions League. Um, we're in a cup final. Um, we made it to the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Two huge signings. Some I'm going to go out on a Three, limb. Maybe. I'm going to this isn't I'm going to give I'm going to give us and Frank an A on the year. Um, it would be an A plus if we got a trophy mm -hmm. or Champions League. Um, but but you can't argue. Um, we were talking top six and now we're talking top four. Yeah. And we're in a cup final. So there's not really much to be angry about. Well, I think uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but uh, Super Saiyan Black, a.k.a. at Black Emoji on Twitter, he says, the minimum requirements for the season was top four. What happens if we're living in the darkest timeline and finish fifth? Transfer ban aside, how can we support Lampard if he can't meet the minimum requirements? I still have faith, but it shouldn't have come to the wire like this. I, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't disagree more. Um, and I think you might be suffering from a little bit of short-term memory uh, or long-term memory. I don't know which one's the correct use in this situation, but I, I'm with you that the last couple matches were frustrating. It, it was very frustrating to be in this position and really let, you know, like we, we, we had so many opportunities to finish top four and clinch it. I mean, it's obviously not done yet. We, we it's still, our destiny is still in our own hands, but you know, I think it's okay to think, you know, at the beginning of the season, we outperformed our expectations, but we adjusted our expectations throughout the season and we haven't lived up to the adjusted expectations, I think, because we, we, we began performing much better than I had thought we would. And, you know, obviously the emergence of Pulisic, uh, Tammy was really good at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think it's okay to think that if we don't qualify, you know, we're saying before our goal was to be top six. So if we if we don't make Champions League, you know, if we were, were fifth or sixth, we met our goal from the beginning of the season. But I think that I personally and a lot of other fans readjusted their expectations for that top four position. So I think if we don't finish top four, it will be a disappointment, in my opinion. And, and Zach, I know you're, you're going to give us an A no matter what. But I think it's just it's it would be foolish to not think that if we don't if we don't end up getting you know getting that top four spot, it'll be a huge disappointment for given you know like all the other teams that have been losing out a lot of the injuries to other teams as well. It's helped us out a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, if we were aren't if we weren't able to capitalize it on it, I don't think it says too much on Frank. You know, if, like I think. My... It says more about the squad than right, Frank if we don't right. qualify. Like, yeah. there, there's no hope lost in Frank if we don't secure that last spot because mm -hmm. he's already proven himself to be, I think, a top-notch manager. 
um, both like with his tactics and just his personability, like his 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 relationships with his players. And I think the players will tell you the same thing, right, Zach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, there is going to be a sense of disappointment, just like there'd be a sense of disappointment if we lose a cup final. I mean, there's there's the possibility of that in any season. Um, it, that's just part of football. And and if there is a disappointment this season, not you know, I'm not optimistic that there is going to be a disappointment because I think we're going to win on Sunday and we're going to fucking smack Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's just my a gut lot of talking. Confidence, yeah, it's just my gut talking. Um, but you know, if there is that potential disappointment this season, Chelsea fans have to realize, um, and the keyboard warriors especially. It's not going to be the last time we're disappointed, because if Frank, if we're really planning on Frank being here for a long time, we're going to lose games, we're going to drop points, you know, we're going to get knocked out of competitions. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be ups and downs as with as there is with any manager. Um, and I think a lot of Chelsea fans get caught in this idea of we have Frank here, everything needs to be perfect, and if it's not, something's wrong, and that's completely not the case. Um, it's more a matter of we got to let Frank do his thing. You know, the squad does need another year or two of rebuilding. Um, there are some players that need to move out and some others that need to move in. Um, and, uh, and, and there's still, you know, all of next season with our new signings. I mean, it's just, it, you could only be excited. So yeah, I don't know some, you know, it, it it's football disappointment happens, you know? And I think that, Finishing top four is going to be crucial for uh, this upcoming transfer window. I, I wanted to call it the summer window, but I don't, I don't know what to call it at this point with the shift in the schedule. But I think if we don't get that top four, it, it could close a lot of opportunities. I mean, apparently this Kai Havertz deal is a done deal. But, I mean, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to take an extra year. Um, no, Leverkusen, they did not qualify for Champions League, but they – they could win you uh the Europa League and qualify so who knows i mean if if he wants that european football top tier i mean top uh top flight european football then he could stay another year who knows and then you know the opportunities where for uh bayern to sign him will come up and i think we'll definitely lose out on him but uh you know obviously and there's other there's other uh, players that we're trying to sign too that might not be as uh, compelled to sign with us if we're not in a top four spot so i think it will be extremely disappointing if we don't get i mean we only need a draw against wolves and i and they're i know and they're fighting for uh their for europa league spot too but you mm-hmm. know they, they could still make europa league if they uh get seventh if if and when we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, because FA Cup is an automatic qualification for a Europa League, and so if we make Champions League and we win uh, the FA Cup, then that extra spot opens up for them for a Europa qualifier. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I think I'm I'm really happy with what we've done so far but still it's okay to be disappointed um all right let's move on to the next question this one isn't really a question i know we usually have <laughs> quick thoughts with nick lenardson but uh one of our uh old old time long time followers uh krilis medvedev uh he he, he hasn't 
posted any questions for us in a while, but he said it's due to time difference, so he said he was going to post his shit here if we don't mind. Uh, and I thought that originally that he was asking a question, but he <laughs> he didn't end up asking a single question. So I'll just read through quickly what he his thoughts were, and I, I agree with a lot of them. So first, he wasn't happy with Frank today or yesterday. Continuing with a 3-4-3 was a terrible choice. Every time we play Liverpool in a 4-3-3, we looked decent, or we looked good. While I understand that without Conte, the 4-3-3 is weak defensively, it's not like we looked solid at the back today. Those are some solid points. He was really disappointed that Pulisic didn't start today. Uh, he says, I am actually a fan of both Mount and William, but it makes no sense to bench the most influential attacker we have for two big games in a row. I'm kind of worried if this continues, Christian will become more and more annoyed with us, which is a shame because I really like the kid. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, Zach, real quick, do you think that Frank has any bias towards Mason Mount because he's English? No, no. I And I said it in the first segment. The reason why Mason Mount played at left wing is for his pressing. I don't think um, so either. Frank, I just think that's, Frank, that's something that's been said. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think Frank was more going for shock and awe, and he wanted to punch him in the mouth really early, um, as opposed to uh, starting Pulisic and maybe taking a more measured approach uh, to the game as a whole. But from here on out, Sam, I think we could both agree, and I know Andres is on board with this too. The guy has to be starting. Yeah, I think every Chelsea fan out there he needs to start that, on Sunday. I think, I think and everyone he needs knew to start that. next weekend. I think everyone yeah. knew that going into the match, and it's just. Maybe Frank was the only person who didn't know that. Uh, so yeah. next point, he says, we have five subs available, and yet we keep five center backs on while being three goals down. I absolutely love Frank, but that is poor game management. Uh, I mean, two of those cha- three of those changes were bringing on Tammy, Cho, and Pulisic, who all had goal involvement. Uh, we didn't even mention Cho uh, on our, re- on our uh, recap, but... He played really, really well, I thought, um, and a lot of energy, a lot of creativity. It's really mm-hmm. nice seeing those two uh, as a wing combo. But uh, got an assist, who, who picked has, up a couple fouls. That's going to be a topic we'll talk about on our season recap, like what happens with Cho. But I, yeah. th- I think I think you got a made another solid point. Uh, two more last points. He says. I generally back and support our players until the end. I was defending Murata longer than I should have. <laughs> I think I was guilty of that too. And never stopped <laughs> yeah. believing that Torres could be rebuilt. But today, my stance on Kepa has firmly changed. As far as I'm concerned, he can get the full Maluda treatment and just rot in reserves. I don't want to see him starting ever again. Oh, that's harsh, but... I. Who knows what happens next do you, week. Do you disagree with him, Sam? No, <laughs> I mean, no it's harsh, not. but like right now... Okay, okay. This weekend, Keppa or Willie? <laughs> oh man, I mean, like, it's. I'm, I'm going so Willie. Ha- I'm happy I'm not making this decision, but I think I would. I'm go going Willie. Willie. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. embarrassing. Okay, if if Willie starts next match, that's the end for Keppa for hundred percent, and that's I'm okay with that too. Uh, last um, his last point, he says, finally, I really love your guys' pod. Uh, the emotion, the analysis, and banter you provide always makes my day. Keep doing what you're doing. Hashtag rep. That was awesome. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really love to hear that. It just really boosts. Shout inf- out to Thrills. It inflates our already uh, inflated egos. So, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that people who have podcasts have to have 
like high egos Some sort because of ego. yeah because yeah. They, it's just pretty much like hey i have something important to say everyone should hear what i have to say so <laughs> that's that was our thought process going in uh so i'll i'll move on to nick's questions he asked a couple questions he actually asked questions this time good job nick uh he says if we win on sunday and secure champions league next year did we actually expect that in season one of project lampard uh i think we kind of already addressed that i didn't expect it we, we expected top six but you know pro what did you zach did you expect that um i didn't expect it but i went into this season thinking to myself like it it is possible to mm -hmm. make the champions league like it's it's sure. and it's not like a far-fetched idea like yeah, it was I, a very realistic thing to happen either yeah but yeah, yeah i wasn't very confident at least and he, he also asked if we cannot secure champions leagues by ourselves, uh do we really deserve the spot don't get me wrong i want us there uh i think deserve the spot i mean it's it's we're going to be a completely different team next season so as far as like deserving it or not i i don't think that that really matters because the team that will qualify this season is not going to be the same team that plays in it next season so yeah you know sure maybe we didn't we we don't 100 percent deserve it because of you know really failing to capitalize on opportunities to increase our lead but you know he, he's pre pretty much saying if we if we lose and if lester loses as well you know because if Le if we lose and lester wins or draws we we lose out so yeah um uh, if I, we don't if we look if we don't make the champions league it's because we didn't make the champions league it's that mm -hmm, simple mm -hmm. there's no uh, uh, you know other results have won in our favor this season and we didn't get the opportunity to, and we didn't capitalize on them we had the opportunity to capitalize them we just chose not to so you know it's it's completely justified whoever makes it deserves it they've yeah. won the games and and they've deserved it and like if you look at lester manu and us yeah the results went in favor of all three of those teams at one point so it's it's a level playing field as far as i'm concerned all right so we got a couple more questions left this one's from akash gosh uh at akash gosh 691 i'm gonna call you a kush because we had a friend in high school whose name was akash and i called him a kush so and uh just a shout out to kush yeah in general <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Kush. So a Kush ask. I hope I hope you're not offended by that. That's actually an honor to be called a Kush. Yeah, so, by us. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a Kush asks, which center back and goalkeeper do you think are the most realistic targets? And given the option between Pope, Henderson, and Ariola, which goalkeeper would you choose? Also, I just saw that Frank is interested on Atletico Madrid center back Jose Jimenez. He may be a solid purchase if we can pull through. Uh, and I got a related question from Mike D at ATX CFC. He says, where do you rate Nick Pope? If we can't get Oblak, I would love to see Pope in goal. So Chelsea has been scouting Jimenez uh, from Atletico. I think we'd need to offload one defender if we want to buy another one. And I know that we need it. We, we can't purchase anybody without offloading anyone. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah. It like mathematically or what? Like. No, no, it's just okay. everything I've seen and read has indicated that we're not we're not announcing any more deals until we can okay. offload some of the dead weight because there's just a lot of cash that we're mm -hmm. sitting on. And West Ham picked up a big result this weekend, so you know mm -hmm. West 
that Declan Rice uh, option. I mean, they value him at 80 mil, and you know they don't really have an incentive to sell now if they're staying in Premier League. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've been I'd read a little bit about Jimenez. I don't know too much about him, but he's strong in the air, and uh, he has a release clause of 109 million uh, pounds. So, but 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 Chelsea is, has does have a good relationship with Atletico. You know we, the Morata deal and. Uh, you know, so maybe it's it's possible that a deal could be done at a price less than the release clause, but also, mm. uh, you know, apparently Lampard is not convinced with bringing back Nathan Ake, you know, because of his height. And uh, but Zach, what what do you think about what Akush asked? Um, in terms of the goalkeepers, um, I don't think Henderson's an option. Um. He's Manchester United's boy. Yeah, I don't think they'll sell and, him. And, 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 and I don't think they'll sell him, um, especially to a rival. Yeah, um, I mean to Alphonse exactly. Ariola. I, I think Alphonse Ariola would be the easiest one to get across the line um, just because he's, he's actively looking for a move and uh, PSG is actively looking to move him. Um, so that's, that's one. Um, but out of those three names, I mean, I would probably take Nick Pope. But I'm still not sold on him 100%. He's a, he's a great, great shot stopper. Um, but playing out of the back is something that Burnley never does. So we never really got the opportunity to see if he's capable of it. Um, One thing about Nick Pope, that last set piece I talked about earlier when everyone screamed mm-hmm. at Kepa, there's no way Pope lets that go. He punches the shit out of that ball. He does not. He's like very it. good at attacking corners. Yeah, he is very good at that. Yeah, he's he's dominant in the air, and that's something I re. That's something we've been missing. The last goalkeeper we had that was really like truly dominant in the air like that was Peter Cech, um, where you know, they just have no regard for their body and are willing to sacrifice everything to get that to get the ball. Um, going to the center back thing with Jose Jimenez, I mentioned his name before, Sam. You know, we, we talk about Koulibaly, um, you know, being the most ready-made center back, but then his age comes into question. Jose Jimenez ticks all the boxes for me. Um, the only issue is that release clause. Um, $108 million is really steep, especially right now. We've already spent, what, over $80 million, probably another 80 for Kai Havertz. That'll put us close to 300 um, which would make it very, very difficult to bring in anyone else, um, I feel. Um, but who knows what Roman has. Maybe he's ready to whip out the checkbook. Yeah, I mean, I think if if the talks about getting Oblak, well, I think his is 125, so it's a little bit more than Jimenez. And I don't think there's any other team that will pay uh, Jimenez's buyout clause. So I think there is room for negotiating that price down a little bit. Um, but I mean, it would be great to bring someone like him in. But I still we need don't know. people with cojones, and mm-hmm. uh, and and Simeone definitely gave Jimenez a pair. So, mm-hmm. and I think that if we bring in Ariola or Pope, like Pope is great, but he's also a little bit up there in age. I believe he's like twenty seven, twenty eight, and Ariola is also a little bit older too. And I don't think either of those guys I... are going to be like our long term keepers, you know? Because yeah. again, we 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 still got to remember that. I, that this is going to be a two to three year process. Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent buying into the idea that we're going to win the Premier League next year. So bringing in a stopgap that will just be serviceable 
Like, if we had a serviceable keeper this year, that would have done wonders for us. But Kepa has just been so bad that, you know, like, he was a negative. We just want someone who, I think, I think bringing in someone who could be, like, a neutral. I'm not saying that they necessarily wouldn't be good for us, especially Nick Pope. Um, but I think that bringing them in as kind of, like, filler for a year and then, you know, who knows, a year or two down the line, what opportunities open up for other goalkeepers that we could bring in, uh, th that could happen. So I think it's it's more realistic to see us going after a player like that as opposed to a guy like Oblak, who is obviously, I think he's top three, if not the best keeper in the world right now. But it's just that that price tag is is really, really high. So... I don't know what God, what's, Black, what to see. Black would be perfect. I don't know what what to think of it, but I th I think I think Love we uh, properly addressed what our what, what how we feel about it. Um, all right, let's yeah. move on. This is the last question. <laughs> this one you kind of asked, but uh, Michael Michael Conan. I think this is the first time he's asked a question. I've never seen his name before. Shout and, out to Michael Conan. Yeah, at M Conan seventeen eighty nine. And if you've asked the question before, I apologize. He says. With Keppa likely still standing still on his line at Anfield, <laughs> do you think Willie is a must start on Sunday? Uh, I think we already we already answered that, right, Zach? You said you double shout out to Michael Conan for agreeing with us. Yeah, Willie, we needs like when to people start, agree man. with us. <laughs> we just need someone that could save a shot that gets kicked straight at him. That's all we're asking. Shout out to That's Nick Lennartson too, because I'm sure he would like that answer a lot. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. let's move on to the final section of our show wolves preview championship sunday or survival sunday for you uh, uk folk they call it championship sunday here in uh, for nbc's broadcast but uh, that's just a matter of uh, marketing but where we stand one point behind united one point ahead of leicester behind both of them unreachable and goal differential without a miracle so we only need a draw a draw obviously a win will also do the job but we only need a draw for top four if we lose we need a lesser loss to qualify so a win or a draw from them and a loss from us will knock us out of the top four um we got one last twitter question actually from bobby what's the best tactical change we can make uh at bobby toddy on twitter yes what's the best tactical change we can make against wolves to stop them from scoring uh our last match came up uh, against them september 14th of last year when things were still normal in the world uh we won five ten two. months ago Sam. we won five two that, that was uh tammy's hat trick he actually had four goals because one of the wolves goals was a was an own goal uh <laughs> by tammy so i'll give him credit for that and that was the tamori screamer uh mm -hmm. match so we we actually lined up three four three against them last time. Uh, we had Tomori Christensen and Rudiger in the back, and we had Marcos Alonso, Dave on the right side, midfield of Kovacic and Jorginho, and then Mason Mount, Tammy, and Willian up front. I mean, this was before Pulisic really got into his his uh, groove, but mm -hmm. this was almost you know exactly the same lineup we had minus uh, Reese James in there um, and Giroud. But uh, I mean, what what do you think? What, obviously, obviously we're not in favor of the three four three, because we we saw what, I don't know. See, like 
You're saying it worked four, in this game. Three four three doesn't work against a creative midfield. How creative yes. is is our Wolves midfield? Not that creative. Like they have players that can hurt us in Jean Moutinho and Ruben Neves, who could pretty much play a ball anywhere on the pitch, mm-hmm. but they're not mobile. Um, I'm not so gonna say think... I'm not gonna say three four three because I don't want to hear what Andreas has to say if I if I uh, if I tout it again. But go ahead. I'm not I. I don't want to see the three four three. I don't. Um, I think there's an opportunity here to really go at their midfield. Um, I don't know what the news is on Ingolo Conte. Probably not gonna play. His hamstring keeps popping. It's safe to assume that he we might not see him until the cup final. Um, but I, I would like to see a midfield of uh, Kovacic. Um, Ross I'm going to say it, Sam. I want to see Ross Barkley. <laughs> I knew it. Because we haven't seen him in the last two Ross matches. Barkley. Has has he been hurt? No, Have you seen no. any, heard anything about that? It, uh no i don't think it's a matter of him getting hurt maybe a little bit of rotation or maybe frank just wanting to be more uh playing with like more of a traditional holding mid i mean because the speculation um, was that he's maybe out i mean this is he, he he we're gonna sell him but i, I don't know i think all that, i know all i know is i don't want to see Jorginho in a double pivot i don't care what yeah. formation we play he can't <laughs> be playing in a double pivot Okay, so if we're if but but, but yeah, I'm we'll gonna be fine go, with him if we if we line up four three three. I want to line up four three three. I want Kovacic at the base. I want I want uh, Ross Barkley and Mason Mount playing as my two attacking eights. Okay, yeah. I need Pulisic on the left. I need Willian on the right, and I need Cho coming on at sixty minutes mm-hmm. on the dot. Give Willian an hour, see if he's ran his race, and bring Cho on to be to be an impact sub. Um, up top, I'd like to see Ali Giroud. The guy keeps scoring. There's not really much else. Um, you can't really argue against that. Um, Reese James has to be on the right. Dave has to be on the left. And uh, <laughs> center backs, who cares? This is where it gets at tough. This point. It, who you gives a fuck? Anyone. We're gonna concede a goal just either way. Anyone so, out there. And Willie, yeah. Willie, and Willie in goal. And right. Willie. My thing, my thing with Wolves and the thing that's scaring me is Raul Jimenez and uh, Adama Traore. We do not know how to um, stunt any team's attack. And right now, that's their only attack. Um, since Project Restart, Adama Traore and Ruben Neves have been pretty much lights out. Um, and I'm kind of having nightmares just thinking about Adama Traore running at Dave pace pace yeah. wise um but it, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be an interesting game Tom. i'm very nervous i'm not gonna lie oh, um, yeah. so if you're a chelsea fan out there and you're nervous join the club man i mean it's gonna be it's it, the championship sunday is like just made for nerves i mean because all the yeah. matches are gonna be played at the same time so we're gonna have the Leicester United score on our phone, just like refreshing while we're actually mm-hmm. while at the same time watching what we're gonna do. And yep. I mean, do you think? Do you think? Last point. Do you think we're gonna play for the draw or we're gonna play for the win? No, we're gonna play for the win. I think so too. We we haven't seen we haven't seen Frank play for a draw yet. The one thing I will say about Wolves is that they, although they have been picking up wins, and uh, Raúl Jiménez and Adama Traoré have been really really good. They haven't necessarily put together the most uh, 
inspirational performances as Project Restart. So there could be a little bit of a hangover there, possibly. Traore had a but sick assist the other day. And he just bodied. Traore is just sick in general, dude. He's, Tri- he's, he's a fullback, like a American football fullback. Like an American football fullback, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like he just truck-sticking people for out of, yeah, right stick, for all yeah. of our American fans, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, Sam, I mean, let's give our score predictions, man. Are are you feeling are you feeling optimistic? I I am because I think we have a fire under our ass and we are going to be up for this match. I mean, it's it's do or die at this point. I mean, we, we've we been in this situation so many times this season where it's like, okay, our destiny is in our own hands. Okay, next week, our destiny is in our own hands. Okay, our destiny is in our own hands. This is our last shot. This is the ultimate test of be our destiny being in our own hands. Like, I know that we could lose and still make it, but I, I'm not going to rely on, on Leicester uh, losing against United. Uh, no, because United have been shitty recently they've been, they've been too, hot, they've been hot and, and cold. so has Leicester. Yeah, Leicester, they both have been hot. And Leicester cold. and United are both kind of slumping right now, and then we're in a position where we're probably playing the worst team out of that whole pool uh, between Man U, Leicester, and Wolves because yeah. Wolves still have something to play for. Also, right. But that's the true. difference is Wolves know how to win ugly. And Leicester and Man U and Chelsea do not. And that's what I'm scared about going mm-hmm. into this. Is they know how to win ugly. I think I they can think... pull off the one nils, mm-hmm. they can nick a goal and sit on a lead. They have people that could take set pieces. They got and a superstar striker. They usually play three four they usually play three four three, but in our yeah. matchup in September they played a three five two. Um I, yeah, I, I, they're I, gonna I go three four three. Yeah, I would expect to see five in the back, but um, they're gonna go three four three, and 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 you're gonna expect to see Adama Traore playing right next to Raúl Jiménez, mm-hmm. and whoever that third person is up top is definitely gonna be taking on more of a clog up the midfield role, where they're gonna be playing centrally, probably behind them. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go three one three Chelsea three one Chelsea. I think it I'm going. It Christian on... Pulisic yeah. gets on the score sheet. I think William gets a pen, and Tammy <laughs> Abraham gets one off the bench. Oh man! Okay, I'm I'm sticking with your prediction. Three one. There has to be a three in there somehow. We. Yeah, there does. I'm. Maybe just... the match will only finish with three players. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen everything this season. Yeah. Watch three sending offs. Uh-huh. Three bad VAR calls. I'll have. Uh... I mean, you name it. I'll have three brain aneurysms watching that match. <laughs> I, I've already had like six throughout yeah. the course of this season. But anyways, I mean, that kind of brings us to the end of our episode today. Um, for all those who are listening, uh, shout out to all the Rep Ultras. I'll, go through, guys. I'll go through three uh, pairs of underwear, probably. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, make sure you guys do your laundry. I'm going to do mine. No. Um, but until next week, guys. I'm I'm staying optimistic. I think you all should too. Um, hopefully, the next time we get you guys get to hear our lovely voices is uh, singing to the tune of the Champions League anthem. <laughs> Som, if we make the Champions League, we should get like a little quartet going. Okay. Me or or, or 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 what do you call it if there's only three? A, a trio. A trident. A trio. Yeah, we'll get a trio 
a barbershop trio. We'll sing the Champions League theme. But anyways, until next week, guys, keep the blue flag flying high.